Good morning. My name is Larry Baxter, and I'm, as you can tell by my name tag, I'm one of the deacons of your church. Uh, our scripture reading this morning is the first seven verses in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. We're beginning this series on, on the Proverbs, and um, in order to do that, I want to start out with an illustration from one of my all-time favorite movies, Jurassic Park. You may be wondering, where is this going? Well, in Jurassic Park, there uh, is a professor named Dr. Malcolm. You know, Jurassic Park is uh, a film about a guy who was an entrepreneur and sort of a scientist, and he created this park that um, took the DNA that was left over somewhere in our earth from dinosaurs and recreated them, and they're really alive, and you, you know the Jurassic Park series. The first one was definitely the best. Sequels always suck. But Jurassic Park, the first one, it was great. And in that particular movie, um, there's a segment of it, a couple of segments that just fascinate me. Um, one segment is this. In one scene, they're standing around observing uh, what, as I recall, is a baby brontosaurus. And... Um, they're beginning to realize what's in front of them. And I don't mean this thing in nature that's in front of them, but they're beginning to realize how profitable this thing is that's in front of them. And the lawyer who's a part of all this, is sort of their PR guy and uh, everything, he's just visibly excited. He's almost quivering with excitement. He says, he says we're going to make a fortune. Another scene has them looking uh, at some eggs hatching in a lab. And in this scene, uh, Dr. Malcolm interrupts and he says, do you know the kind of control that you're attempting to exercise here? It's not possible. He said, life breaks free, expands to new territories crashes through barriers painfully, even dangerously. Later, he says, in a conference roundtable setting, he says, the lack of humility that's being displayed before nature here just amazes me. Don't you understand the inherent danger here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet has ever seen, and yet you're wielding it 
like a kid who's found his father's gun. Think about the rest of the movie. And then he continues. He says, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're using here. It didn't require any discipline to attain it. You read what others had written, and you took the next step. You didn't attain the knowledge for yourself, so you take no responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of giants, and before you knew what you had, you'd packaged it, slapped it on the side of lunchboxes, and sold it. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think about whether or not they should. The entire movie, for me, was worth that final phrase. I don't know who the writer was. I'm sure the writer wasn't crafting it so I could use it as a sermon illustration, but no matter. Every great movie has got great sermon illustrations in it, and you could overdo it. And I don't want to overdo it. But what I want to say is this, our world and this university town is saturated with knowledge, absolutely saturated with facts and knowledge. When I was a kid and I wondered about something, I might ask somebody I thought who knew the answer or I might go back home and pull out the World Book Encyclopedia. Now when I'm curious about anything, I just pull the phone out of my pocket. And all the facts are right there. Just like the scientists in this movie, I didn't do anything to gain them. The question is, how do I use them? So what's the purpose of the Proverbs? The purpose of the Proverbs is to help us understand what to do with our knowledge. We amass amass large amounts of knowledge, but it doesn't mean that right along with it we're amassing large amounts of wisdom. Frequently, we are not. So how do we handle the knowledge that we have? That's the primary question of the Proverbs. You notice at the beginning, it's for gaining wisdom and insight, not pure knowledge. As a matter of fact, just in terms of sort of a lexicon version of knowledge, whenever you see knowledge in the Proverbs, it's not just facts. It actually is linked with wisdom. So don't be thrown off by that. What's the purpose of the Proverbs? to receive instruction on good behavior. Another purpose of the Proverbs is to help us to be able to figure out Proverbs, wisdom, 
parables, and riddles. As a matter of fact, in the ancient world, they were fascinated by paradox and riddles. They loved riddles. And you know, you don't figure out how to crack a code and understand a riddle just once. It's a habit of mind. You think about it. You reflect on it. And then you begin to see the wisdom of it. So the Proverbs are actually inviting us into a way of thinking. I want you to think about this, says the proverb. It might not make sense right off the bat, but there's wisdom there. So train your heart. The purpose of the Proverbs is also, well, I, I love this image. It's to create guardrails for your life. Because you can go off the rails. If you've ever uh, hiked on a, an enormous precipice or been on a road that doesn't have guardrails, it can be terrifying. I remember hiking the Grand Canyon with my son and coming around some of those switchbacks, if you've ever done it, and looking down. And down was right there. And down was thousands of feet. The Proverbs are guardrails to keep us from going over the edge. So just a little uh, suggestion. I know all of you won't take it up and, and do it, but there's an easy way to immerse yourself in the Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is divided into 31 chapters. You can see it. Every day of the month, there's a proverb for you. It's not hard to do. You open up your Bible, and on the day that you're on, you read the proverb. I've decided some time ago when I started thinking about this series that I will do that, though I've done it many times before, but now every time I read a proverb in the morning, I write in my planner notebook, because I still like paper planners, not all electronic, I write in my planner notebook one particular proverb that jumped off the page for me that day. So that periodically I can just go back to it. So as a pattern, you might try that during this series. Just read a proverb every day for several months in a row. Now, I should say, this is an introduction to proverbs. So it's not a very good sermon, right? It's not stirring and compelling and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's basically an introduction. And here's what I want to do in the introduction, among other things. I want you to understand what the Proverbs are like before we get into them. Sometimes the Proverbs, well, they're oddly contradictory. As a matter of fact, you, you'll read a proverb. This, I'm not making this one up. This proverb says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And later in the same book, it says, answer a fool according to his folly. Okay? And that's not the only time. Sounds like a contradiction. That's where you got to get into the riddle and figure out the context and ask what it's all about. So don't be put off by what appear to be contradictory statements. The second thing that's interesting about the Proverbs and their pattern is this. They're oddly particular. 
As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of scholars think that the Proverbs were written for young men in a king's court who were trained up. Remember Daniel, how he was trained up in the court in Babylon? They think it was probably written for those young men. That's very particular. You're not being raised in a court, right? Nor am I. I'm not going to be a prince ever. There's also something that's unusually predictable and peculiar and particular about the Proverbs. Very often, it's addressed almost exclusively from a father to a son. And it's possible that you could find yourself on the outside of that conversation, right? You might not be a father or a son. You might be a daughter. That doesn't mean the Proverbs don't have powerful wisdom. And at the risk of offending, it also doesn't mean that those same Proverbs can't be transposed. Hear this. A particular scholar looking at the Proverbs decided that she would take a portion of the Proverbs and transpose it for her daughter. It was Proverbs 7. Listen to how she transposed it for her daughter. You might expect a, a father to a son. She put it this way. Do not be misled by handsome faces, by beautiful bodies, by the right clothes, or correct manners. Especially, do not be deluded by flatterers who tell you you are beautiful. Of course you are. Who tell you you are beautiful and then ask you to give them your body or your soul. Rather, spend your time with men of substance and worth. A good man is hard to find. He's more precious than jewels. You might expect the proverb, as penned by Solomon, was not to his daughter. It was to a son. And it was about picking a wife. And this wonderfully perceptive woman said, there's wisdom in that proverb for my daughter. And I'm going to transpose it so she can understand it. In large part, that is the duty of a preacher or a teacher. To take the wisdom of a passage and transpose it for life. So, I don't usually say something like this. But pray for me as I try to do that with you. That's what we're going to do with the Proverbs. I want to say something about the particular peculiarities or, oh, I don't know if they're peculiarities. They're patterns. Let's call them patterns in the Proverbs. One pattern uh, in the Proverbs is, has been called identity and equivalency. You'll see a lot of Proverbs that look like this. Where there is no ox, the manger is empty. 
Well, there's this identity with the ox, with the manger, with food. As a matter of fact, if the ox is not fed, the ox doesn't do the work to produce food for the farmer. If the farmer does not feed the ox, it doesn't happen. If the ox doesn't work, it doesn't produce food. You see things like that in the Proverbs. Another one is contrast and paradox. How about this for a proverb? A gentle tongue breaks a bone. That doesn't happen, right? You can't be literal and get any wisdom out of that. Tongues don't break bones, but yes, they do. A gentle tongue can break a bone. There's another one that goes like this. To the hungry, notice the paradox, to the hungry... Even what's bitter tastes sweet, right? That's the contrast and the paradox. Or how about this category, similarities and analogies? What did I do? Similarities and analogies, like cloud without rain is a man who boasts of gifts he does not give. Is that good? Or, or how about this one? I think I like this one even better. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. A rebuke is like pure gold to the wise man. Interesting. Or how about contrary to right order? What use is money in the hands of a fool? What a waste says the proverb, just contrary to right order. There's another one in the Proverbs, a fascinating one. The proverb is, it is useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. Now, if you don't know what's going on there, uh, birds were caught in a net. It was routinely the, the way they were captured so that they could be used and eaten. And he says, why spread the net? In full view of the birds, you don't do that. You put it in a place that's unsuspecting so you can trap them, right? It would be contrary to right order to put it out there where the birds could see it. Or how about this one, classification and characterization. Now, with this one, there's all kinds of classifications of people types and characterizations of people types. So in the Proverbs, you're going to see a lot of phrases concerning the mocker. A mocker is like this. You'll see characterizations concerning a fool. The fool is this way. You'll see positive characterizations. A good wife is this, Proverbs 31. Here's another category, relative value. Better to be poor than a liar. Wow. Wow. It's hard not to say something else. Better to be poor than a liar. You know, here's another one. I, I really like this one. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. Meeting a fool in his folly is worse than meeting a bear who's been robbed of her cubs. It's absolute craziness, right? Relative value. There's actually one more that um, I didn't get up there. It's not their fault. 
It's the seventh. It's called consequences of behavior. You'll see this all over the Proverbs as well. What's an example of consequences of behavior? Uh, one that goes like this in Proverbs fifteen thirteen: A happy heart makes a face cheerful. If your heart is happy, the consequence, your face will show it. There are just so many of these um, that are so deep and beautiful that I look forward to exploring them with you. Words of wisdom. That's what the Proverbs are about. What's the pathway to this wisdom? Actually, the pathway to this wisdom is outlined in the first seven verses of chapter 1. But the pathway to this wisdom, to go back to the beginning, is to understand that knowledge is not enough, that wisdom is necessary to apply knowledge properly. Some of you may remember the award-winning film by Bertolucci, an Italian filmmaker, and the title of the film was The Last Emperor. Uh, it was a film that came out in 1987. When the film came out, it was nominated for nine Oscars. And it won nine Oscars. Unusual that it would be that overwhelming. But one scene in the film that is uh, really kind of stunning and speaks to this whole notion of knowledge and wisdom it's when the young emperor, by the way, was only three years old when appointed the supreme authority of the land. The young emperor is with his teacher and classmates. And he wants to impress his teacher concerning his understanding of his own authority as emperor. And so the way he expresses it is he makes one of his classmates, who happens to be his cousin, drink the ink in the inkwell. He commands him to do it, and the cousin does it. And the teacher is appalled, just appalled for his lack of concern to other people. But then in that moment, the teacher realizes. Here's what he realizes. He realizes the task that's before him. The task is to teach wisdom. That is a compliment to the authority that this young man possesses. He possesses all authority and his kingdom. And his teacher realizes he must have wisdom. The proverb at the end of our section, verse 7, sums it up this way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Range of words for fear in the Old Testament, it's pretty wide. One way to understand fear or fear of the Lord is respect or honor or reverence. But frequently, fear is used in trembling awe and pure terror. 
So before I make it gentle, which we are always apt to do, maybe the proverb is saying something more than just revere the Lord. Maybe he's saying be face down in reverence and in terror of the Almighty God in whom pure wisdom resides. That, says the Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Because as one person in a TV sitcom once said who played a minister, I realized something early on in my career that changed everything. First, there is a God, and second, I'm not him. There is a God with all wisdom, and I must seek out the wisdom of God. How do we do it? By listening. The proverb repeatedly tells us that those who mock will never learn. Those who are foolish and turn a deaf ear will never learn. So you know what our challenge is, my friends? Our challenge is to listen to the Proverbs, even when they seem like a contradictory statement. To listen to the Proverbs, even when they rub us the wrong way. To listen to the Proverbs and try to delve deeply into the wisdom that's there, because it's from God. We've got to listen. The second thing we have to do is we have to live it. This is not, if we, if we considered the Proverbs and the wisdom as just more knowledge, or even if we made a distinction between knowledge and wisdom and said, I just need to get more of these Proverbs in my head. I need to be able to read them and even quote them. I need to be able to spout them off. We'd be missing it altogether. The wisdom of the Proverbs is not to be able to regurgitate them. The wisdom of the Proverbs is to be transformed by them, to live them, not to speak about humility, but to live humbly, not to lecture about honesty, but to be a person of integrity. So it's listening, it's living, and it's learning. And here I want to say uh, something else. There's a proverb that says that those who are simple-hearted, this is a paraphrase, are probably in a better position than those who are not. In other words, if you consider yourself to be an expert in the Proverbs or wisdom, or you consider yourself to be a mature Christian in your journey, you're probably not in the best position to learn. You have to consider yourself to be an infant as you approach the Proverbs. And then maybe, as a simple-hearted person, you can learn. God has allowed us knowledge, and the way for us to use it is to submit to His wisdom. One final point. I ask you to pray for me. And here would be one of the prayer requests. It would be easy to turn the Proverbs into pithy sayings for us. 
And they are. But the Proverbs are not just pithy sayings for us. They're the truth about God. So as we study the Proverbs, let's make sure it doesn't become all about us. Let's make sure that we stare steadfastly into the face of wisdom, which is God, and then learn how to apply it to our lives. Will you join me in prayer and on the journey? Gracious Lord, we have so much to learn. We admit that even in our best moments, we're foolish. We're self-consumed. We're overwhelmed by what people think. We want to sound right. We, we got a lot of issues, Lord. And we need to, to be reoriented. So allow the Proverbs, which are the wisdom of God, to reorient us. May we also remember that wisdom comes from you. And it's not just in the book of Proverbs, it's, it's everywhere. It's on the street, it's in our homes, it's in the university, it's in books. The grace of God has allowed the wisdom of God to invade all the spaces of life. So we pray you will teach us to identify wisdom in all the places that we are and apply wisdom to the knowledge that we have. And we'll thank you in the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.